0: Thanks be to God for the beauty and the power of his word. Man, you gotta love James. He's coming right at you. Like there's there's moments that we ended good, you know. It's the father of heavenly lights, all the good gifts. But we got sin giving birth to death, or you know, you got desire giving birth to sin and sin, you know, having a teenager called death. I mean, you got a lot of stuff in there with James that just punches you right in the gut. And then then there's the whole thing with doubt that's in there. I mean, we've got a lot to unpack. I figured, you know, I'm gonna, you know, Dan covered a couple of verses. Thanks, Dan. Um, I figured I might cover that. He did an amazing, what an amazing job he did last week. Just fantastic. (laughs) Kicking off the series. I love the summertime. Uh, If you've not been here during the summertime, this is typically what we would do. We didn't do it last year, the pandemic. We were doing some different things, but um, we typically will cover a book of the Bible, and do a Bible study. So the teaching style might change, it changes a little bit. It, it might be a little more methodical, um, and there's it, it's very similar each week. You're not going to come in and go, wow, this is way different. But the idea is that we're traveling together through the book of James, which is awesome because it kind of locks into some of the things that we'll be doing in our tribe and Oasis Bible studies Um, throughout the week um, in the summer. So, I mean, when when you talk about trials, temptations, suffering, the Christian life, what it looks like to live here on planet Earth with the brokenness and the sin that exists here. God God has defeated sin. The penalty of sin has been taken away. But man, the power of sin can still be at work on planet Earth, moving and changing things um, in our lives and pull us away from the one uh, that has rescued us. So, James covers that. James does an amazing job taking care of that. Um, but before we dive in, if you've got your Bible, want to turn to James chapter 1. I did want to say a couple of things. Some of you have heard, some of our lead anchors know this. Obviously our staff, our elders, uh, finance committee, and the people that lead here. But I'm taking a short break. A, a, they like to call it a sabbatical. A sabbatical is like something you do for like, he's going on a year's sabbatical, he's going to get his doctorate. I will not be doing that. Um, I will be taking six weeks off. Um, so and some of you probably won't even notice because you will, you'll, you know, you come to church once a month and I love you and you'll be like, oh, guest speaker. Great. And then I'm back. Um, so just, you know, for, for you, I know you believe I'm at church all the time and you claim it as your church home, but you're here for Christmas. Let's be honest. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm getting it all out now. I got six weeks. I got six weeks, man. Um, but I'll be, and it's, it's something that I, I just want to thank the elders and the finance committee, our staff. Everybody is, this past year, they worked very hard. They've been trying to do this for two years and uh, to, to organize and put it together. Not that I'm that valuable, um, but it is different uh, to not. For me to not be here, there's a lot of things just with the size of our staff and the way that we operate, um, having me kind of out and trying to remove a lot of the responsibilities outside. There's other things I actually do other than preaching here, um, that getting all that stuff taken care of. And man, they have done it. I think they've been staying for a long time, I'm actually the hard one to kick out. Like, they're, they've been saying, we've got this, and I really appreciate the staff, all the people that have worked so hard to organize all of it, to get, let me um, take uh, six weeks. Beth will be with me for a lot of that. She'll be around, you'll see us. I mean, the beach is small. You'll see us in Publix. Just don't ask me any questions about Jesus or God <laughs> or anything like that. I'm totally kidding, but I mean, I'm here. Like, you guys are my family and my friends. I've preached over and over again that you don't wanna disconnect yourself from the body um it's the it's the lifeblood, it's your family, and I will be very connected to the family. Um, just the way that I operate within the church will be disconnected uh, so that I can rest. and uh, I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate a church um, that is um, been able to, to give and afford for me to be able to, to do those things. So as we dig into James, I love this. I love that, that we, we chose to do a Bible study on James. and I'm like, see y'all. <laughs> I'm gone for six weeks. I'll be done with it when I get back. Um, but I did want to take on some, some of James. What's fun about James is it, it does uproot some things. When I was in college ministry, it pulls up. James gets on the ground and kind of drops bombs. Like there's things that he says that all of a sudden you got to go dig back through the book of Romans and go, didn't Paul say this? You know, and start, you get this kind of tension in the gospel versus works. The faith and works tension is always kind of going on in the book of James. But the book of James is making the assumption, as Dan said last week, it's coming in like the apostle Paul would give you Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, where you'd have the gospel You'd get the good news of Jesus and the implications of the gospel would come in 4, 5, and 6 in Ephesians. So here's who you are in Christ. In Christ, it's said so many times in Colossians and in Ephesians in those first few chapters. And then the apostle Paul says, here's what's possible for you. This is who you are. You, You don't always operate that way because sin can turn you in different directions. But this is what's possible for you that was not possible before. And James is just painting a picture of this is what it looks like. It's an on the ground. This is what it actually looks like to walk those things out and give you practical ways of understanding where you might be, like a pulse on where you are in Christian maturity. And he starts out with trial because he knows and understands that people miss this. They think Christian maturity is how much you know about the Bible. But, the, but, but James is coming on saying Christian maturity comes through trial and temptation. You're going to mature and the edge is going to be taken off of you. Like Dan said last week, the refining process is going to happen in trials. And that doesn't sound like nobody wants that. I mean, I'm in that same position. You are like trying to figure out a way. Can I live my life for Jesus and and not hurt, you know, and not be in pain? And unfortunately, I have to answer that question for you. It's not going to happen trials are going to happen. But the beautiful thing about who Jesus is, instead of the enemy taking those trials and sending you down the lane of death, God sends us into a place of life, into a place of recovery, into a place of redemption. And I've got stories all over this house. I could point to people, bring them up here. They'd give testimonies and say, through my trial, God brought me through the other side and I finally have life and I'm breathing for the first time. And that's some of the beautiful things that we see in the book of James, because he is on the ground. He's very practical. And the reason he's like, we could have, like, I, I've heard people say this. They say, you know, I don't, you know, I don't get into the deep theology of the Bible. Just, just love God, and love people. That's what I'll live my life by that mantra. And you know, two greatest commandments, not a bad place to sit, but there, there is a whole lot other stuff in here. There's a whole lot of other things in here. Besides that, Jesus is kind of laying down the law right there with the Pharisees, specifically for a specific reason, because maybe they missed something along the way about loving people. Love God, love your neighbor. Absolutely, you should live by those commands. But what? there's a lot of stuff going on on planet Earth that God wants to help us navigate through. Because if you don't know, you don't know. I mean, I think about, I mean, we, we live in all different, like for, for young people, I always say lean towards older people sometimes don't know as much. Like I put myself in that category. I'm almost 50 and I'm like, I'm a little older now. I just don't get as My kids tell me, you don't get it, dad. I mean, all the time, that is the thing. You don't get it. You, let me help you, you know, with things. Even though I'm, I like technology, I was in that world for, they're still grabbing my phone going, ah, ah, let me do it. And handing it back to me. They know a lot of stuff. But if you're young in here, I just want to say, there's old people know more than you. They do, period. They've lived it. Not because they've, they've gone to bigger colleges or better. They've just, they've, the pothole that you're about to step in, they've stepped in it and busted their face open. And they're, they're, they're trying to tell you, don't do it. James is helping us with that. In the same way that like kids are trying to help us with texting. Like we don't know what we're doing, right? There's all these rules. I found out there's rules on, like you can't, like capital, you can't like, have you ever, <laughs> my dad used to do this, cap, capitals. Like the whole, you can't, don't text in all capitals. That's, if you do that, you could offend somebody. Like that just, you're you're saying things so emphatically that it's like ripping their face off. I don't know that. Capitals could do that. And at K, like if you ever, I kind of knew this deep down in my soul that K was wrong. Like just getting K on a text, like, you know, just getting it. You're like, I just said a whole lot of stuff about stuff you needed to do and things you needed to get done. And K just felt like, yeah, I hear you. I don't want to do any of it, but... (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's just like totally. It is. I, I looked it up. There's like a whole rule book. Where your kids like you can't just put K or even OK. Like OK is better. Like just type it out. Like OK, but it's still kind of like, are we gonna get a little bit more? Like, yeah, man, sure. I got that. You know, I got it handled. K, just you can't do it. And if you like, periods, anybody hear about this? Like you can't put use a period. My kids are like in Snapchat. Periods, like that's it's passive aggressive. Who knew? Grammar was passive aggressive. I had no idea what you don't know. You don't know. If you do K period, then somebody might come to your house and murder you. Um, That is absolutely what's going to happen. And you can the only way you can say K is KK. Like you can go K, big K, little K. That's OK. I have no idea why that's OK, but it's OK. What you don't know, you don't know. And there's a lot in Scripture, and James is the guy that's going, hey, I just want to let you know, I, there's a lot of things that you're, you're ignorant of. And there's a lot of things that can happen in the midst. You think you're, things are going all right, and then all of a sudden, the bomb of the trial drops into your life, and you realize, I wasn't prepared. I thought I I thought I believed, and I thought I had faith. And then all of a sudden, the temptation and the trial come, and then we're like, okay, how are we going to react in our christian ease, in the way that we live life, if we're not in the trial, it's like, we're gonna have faith, we're gonna grind through it, we're gonna sing the right songs, we're gonna do the, the right stuff, we're gonna lean on verses in Romans 8, we're gonna, we're gonna know and understand that every good thing that, or everything that happens to all those who love God, he's gonna, he's gonna complete it, He's gonna do it in the way that looks beautiful and nice, and we're gonna put that on coffee cups and give it to people, and then you go through it, and you begin to figure out, how am I going to rely on Him and keep my eyes here focused on Jesus, focused on God, focused on the one that is holding it all together, focused on the one that that still, the wind and the waves, they know his name. How am I gonna keep my eyes here? Because so easy, I want my eyes to drift here for the solution that will eject me out of the trial that God has got me in, in in this moment. How do we do that? And those are questions that I have. God broke through in my life this week, just reading through the book of James and just hearing that there's so many difficult things. He talks about doubt, talks about wisdom, talks about sin, death, the things that that can happen in the midst of a trial. So I kind of broke this, these these verses from four to, to 18 into two lanes that that James is painting. Here's the trials or the trials and temptation. Maybe I should have written, written both of those, but the trials and the temptation. And then all of a sudden, what's the pathway of one that is following God? And the wisdom, he's just bringing the wisdom going, hey, I want to show you a pathway that's good, but I also want to show you the pathway that's bad. Because if you know what the enemy's up to, if you know what's happening, then you can make, you can make adjustments. I mean, there's been books written about generals that whooped the better general's butt because he had the playbook in war and stood up and said, I knew what you were gonna do. That's why we won with less people. James is saying, I got, I got some, I, hey, he was my brother. And he, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a valuable resource for you people to let you know, hit a trial, hit temptation, which way do you go? And what does it look like? He's, he's painting the picture of the end result. So if you got your Bible, let's jump in. I want to pick up where Dan left off. He left off in four and he, and he went through this amazingly telling us how perseverance in trials changes us. But I also want to highlight some of the dangers. So four says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. That is very good news. So I want to show this terrible graphic that I did yesterday. And it's look trials right there. We got trials. And the first thing in in a trial, you have you have an opportunity and an option here. What to, to see what's possible in the midst of a trial. And one of the things that you can get out of that trial is wisdom for fallen and broken and sinful people. Wisdom is something that is available to you through God like in the midst of a trial, it's not necessarily what you do. Like when you're not in a trial, and this is just because we're broken. This is because everyone, all have, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none of us that in our flesh, when all things are going good, have a really easy time keeping our eyes and our life focused on Jesus. Me included. It's, it, when you get on Easy Street and when you're in the West, when you are where we live, when, when things are easy, and things are going really good in life. You know what? You start to think, I'm pretty awesome. You don't say it to everybody. You're not saying, you know, yeah, you know I'm, I'm awesome. You know, did you see what I did? I'm awesome. But you know, you're, you're just feeling, you're feeling, just, God, I got the, I've got the groove. Things are going good. Job's good. Wife's good. Family's good. Kids are good. Nobody's sick. Everything's good. In those moments, that's when it's difficult. That's when we think we got it all together. I remember years ago, I was in Costa Rica, and I was 40 years old, uh, still pretty healthy. I'm, st- I'm still healthy now, but I was like, you know, healthy and, you know, feeling like I can do things when I'm 20. And we built a, uh, we're in this men's center, and for whatever reason, a lot of them skateboarded. Like they were big skateboard guys. Um, so we built them a half pipe in part of the men's center that they weren't using. What a fun mission trip. It was awesome. And I hadn't built a half pipe in a long time. built the half pipe, and of course, you know, what are you going to do after you build it? You're gonna try that thing out because you're awesome, right? And so I see a couple of guys get in there and they're doing their thing. And I'm like, dude, I used to do this all the time. So I got in there and I'm just like, and I, you know, get on the edge. If anybody's seen anybody drop in on a half pipe, I get on the edge and poof, I drop in, do do a couple of turns, I'm like, dude, I'm 40, still got this, and, and I do it a couple more times. And then you start to think, I'm awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm 40, and I'm right, I'm on a a, a eight foot half pipe with six inches of vert. If you know what I'm talking about, skateboard world, and I'm dropping in. And then I get up there a little bit, you know, loose. <laughs> I don't throw the thing down. Bing! Hit it like that. Skateboard up under my ribs and I break, break three ribs. In Costa Rica, it's fantastic. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like, what do you do in that moment? Well, I, I can, you can ask my wife. Immediately, she told me, you're 40. You will never, ever ride a half-pipe again. <laughs> Just telling you, this is what you're not going to do. In life, we, we get in that place of thinking that we know, and we, and we, we get there. And there's, there's, there's something that happens when a trial comes. We can, we can run in the wisdom route that we see here in verse 5 that we should ask God generously. He's going to give it to us without finding fault. It will be given to you, this wisdom in the middle of the trial. It, trials will make us constantly aware of our need for God. They are going to put us in a place where you, there is nobody. The trials in my life that have, that have changed me the most are when nobody could help me nobody, no doctor, no no human being could help me. And I was in the middle of it. I didn't have answers, didn't know how to get out of the cycle, didn't know what to do. In those moments, that's when you've got an option. That's when the split and the divide happens in trials and temptation. Where am I going to go? Am I going to do what James says? And am I going to go to God and say, hey, I, this perseverance through trial, it can, it can mature me. It can, it can make me complete, which is what God wants, not lacking anything. But if I lack something, I should ask for wisdom and ask God who gives generously without finding fault. He can do that. But we can also respond with, this isn't fair. You know, when things are going good, it's like, I'm awesome. When things are going bad, it's his fault. And the enemy comes in and uses those opportunities at that point. And so in verse six, he immediately goes down Another trail, which is he talks about doubt. It's like you can go the wisdom route, but you can also go the doubt route. In verse six, it says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That sound familiar coming from Ephesians? You know, we want to be we want our mind and our heart in a certain place because we don't want to be pulled away by the enemy down a road that will kill us. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect, listen to this, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. Dang! That's a little heavy-handed, isn't it? It's like, you know, doubters, you know. I mean, and it's one of those things you think about. It's like, God, we we exist to invite anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace. People with doubts, people with brokenness, people that in the middle of a trial, who in the middle of a trial hasn't doubted? What is this? How, I mean, like if I doubt, then God's hitting the eject button. You better believe or I'm gone. I mean, that feels a little bit uncomfortable. But the beautiful thing about Scripture, and this is why people get themselves in trouble, is is biblical hermeneutics, it's a Bible study. You interpret scripture with scripture. So we have to understand what James is talking about when he says doubt. And this is when the Greek actually does come in handy because you begin to, it, it often combines words. So this double-mindedness and this doubt thing are kind of placed together. And when you look at, at what he's talking about here, it's like, okay, doubt, this idea that, that if, I, if I doubt, then I'm not going to receive, 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 anything from the Lord. How much faith do I have? Let's, let's get a meter out. How much faith do I have? So God will be in it with me. I mean, that's the way we start thinking, right? Can I doubt? Well, look at, I love this, that this is in the Bible and there's, we could find other, other places, but in Mark nine, there's this amazing story where Jesus comes across a guy that's, um, his his son is demon possessed, and everybody is kind of telling the story. He's telling the story. He's like, my son. He's, he. All of a sudden, something will happen. His mouth will start foaming. You know, he'll you know, flop on the ground and get rigid, and he just he's totally demon possessed. Sometimes he throws him in the fire. Sometimes he does these awful things to him to try to kill him. Can you do something? And Jesus' response is like, Can I do something? I mean, I mean, he's he's almost. You know, like, I can't believe you have such little faith, knowing and understanding who I am, that you're wondering if I can. Can I do something, is what, how he responds. And then he gets some more of the story. And he says, in verse 21, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often cast him into the fire, and into the water to destroy him. But, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, If if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Okay, so where's the measure of faith here? Well, listen. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but and I, I'm right there, I'm all of a sudden, okay, because I get that. Because the Father's saying, I'm coming to you. My eyes aren't anywhere else. I'm coming to you and I believe in you. But I'm on the struggle bus. I need help with my belief. I need you to be in this with me. The type of doubt that we're talking about when James is saying, hey, if you're doubting like this, this is zero faith. This is, the, this, is, this is a totally double-minded, you're just kind of in it. You're not, there's no admittance of where you are in life. You're kind of denying the things that are going on. You are completely immersed in the world. You know, there's a, uh, and if you're, if you're wondering if this is enough faith, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief, we, we read the rest of the, the passage in scripture. Throw that up there. I don't think I have it in my notes, but the rest of the passage in scripture it goes like this. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing, uh, and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, like, like dead. So they said to him, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose right there. That should be encouraging to all of us because you've got a guy on the struggle bus saying, I believe, but in the moment, I'm wondering if you're going to if this is really going to happen in the moment. I'm wondering what this means for me. I don't know. I don't quite understand, but I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm putting you in my hands. Gospel Coalition, a guy named Greg Gilbert says this. He says, the type of doubt that James is talking about, it's a reckless, wavering distrust, a refusal to finally to trust God. The point is not that a Christian never has doubts. Of course we do. It's that a Christian never allows his mind to become so divided, this double mindedness and self disputing that it welcomes those doubts. I feel like we're in that culture now that just welcomes the doubts. Like it's almost like this fun side note in the way that we navigate through our faith. So let's, let's go through and kind of navigate all of the doubts and welcome all of the doubts, bring all of the doubts. No, we want to drive towards faith and not doubt. A Christian will always strive to take the side of God and truth against doubts when they arise. You see the difference? I mean, you see the way that that breaks down. That's, that's a different way of thinking about it. Because I think we have to we have to know that distinction because I think we often in our culture are like, yeah, everybody's got doubts. Everybody wonders if this is true. Everybody's thinking about this. And all of a sudden, I've said this many times, we begin to take our faith and start to pull it apart and wonder if the Bible's true. Wonder if what God has said in, in the Bible is true wonder if what he's written in his word that will, everything is going to pass away, everything is going to wither and fall to the ground. Two things are going to stand forever, the name of Jesus and the word of God. When you start doubting those things, then all of a sudden that's what I think James is talking about, that kind of doubt. So if you're in a place of doubt today, if you're in a place of struggle, God is in it with you. Look at Look at scripture. Think about the Psalms. Look at David. David's like, why am I flooding my bed with tears all day long? Why do I have these ailments? Why are you, where are you, God? I don't understand what you're doing. I don't even understand why I'm here. I pray the Psalms sometimes when I'm in that place. Like, what are you doing? But at the end of those Psalms, how does he resolve? But where else could I go? I'm going to put my life in your hands because you are sovereign over all things. You are going to put me in the place where where I know I'm going to wait patiently for the Lord because I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I know that you, you set the sun, the moon, the stars in place, but you care for me. As big as you are, I know that you care for me. And then he'll sway back in the other direction. I'm in a pit, I'm, I'm in the darkness and I don't know where you are. When are you going to come? When are you going to come, Lord? Come now, come fast. I need your healing. That's okay. Okay. It's right there in the Psalms to lead us. Dave preached a sermon on it. To lay our lives before him in the midst of those, the faithfulness of the Psalms to always come back around and say, but I know you're for me and not against me. I know that, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Even in the moments where it feels like you're leaving me. And you're forsaking me. I know in my mind, I know what your word says, and I know because of your past performance. So if you're in that place of feeling shame because of doubt, we all have doubts. But don't walk away because he says to trust. And that's that's the the other lane that that God's leading us down as we look at the kind of the, the division and the split in the in the two. We see. You can go down the doubt, doubt road and we're going to see where that one leads. But we want, to, we want to trust. We want to get into that place of wisdom and believing that God is the only place that we want to put our lives. Because the enemy's going to speak to us. He's going to want to lead us down another road. He's going to want to lead us in that place of doubt. I mean, it always starts out with what? Did God really say that? Like even this morning, just reading the lyrics on the screen, the truths that came straight out of Scripture that we sang this morning. To believe those, to believe those things. The enemy is always going to come in and say, did he, did he really? That's the Garden of Eden. What, is he, what does the enemy come in and say? Did God really say that? Did God really say that? Is that really what he says? Is that really what it says in here? Are you really going to be Okay. Is, that really, is he God really always going to be with you? Is he really not going to forsake you? Look at your life, and then the enemy begins to speak and find his way into that place of doubt. And then where does doubt lead? When we begin to doubt, when we get to that place of really doubting, and you're in the middle of temptation or you're in the middle of trial, it, it leads to the place of sin. I mean, that's the next thing on our on our list there. It's like, where else are you going to go? Okay, you're going to go from doubt. Where are you going to go from? You're going to go, go down the sin road. Instead of trusting God, you're going to justify the things that you want to do. In verse 13, it says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Because some of us would blame God. Well, this is God's fault. I would never be here. I'd never be doing these things if it hadn't been for this situation and this circumstance that I'm in. But no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Does God lead us through trials so that we would persevere to improve who we are as, as human beings and as faithful followers of Jesus? Yes, but does he tempt us with evil? No. How does that happen? Where does temptation come from? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by what? Their Whose desire? Wait, I can't read that. It's just three, three, two. Own desire. Oh, own evil desire. Enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. He, I love James, the progression. He's being practical. He's being so practical. So you've got the doubt. You've got all of a sudden, he, he takes desire. Which desire, God puts desires in us but we are also sinful. So there's also desires in there that are not ones that God wants us to follow. The heart is deceitful above all things. And we are in a culture that says, if you desire it, freedom, uh, the prison would be somebody that's telling you you shouldn't follow your desire. Well, I'm telling you, that is anti the word of God. I mean, if you spend your life constantly following your desire, What's the road that he says it leads to death? I mean, and it always starts out small. It always starts out like a baby, like he says. He says, all of a sudden you've got desire. Like it wasn't there first. First, there's the lure, right? There's the lure that's dangling out there. You weren't even thinking about it. and You're like, ooh, there it is. It's nice. Aha, that looks tasty. And they're all different for different people, you know? And then there's the, the desire. I think I want to, and then there's the movement towards it. There's the, the action to grab the lure, and then all of a sudden, the hook's in the mouth. I mean, that's just the way that it happens. I remember I had, I had my friend George, I, I, I apologize for watching the stream. He loves me and he watches. But he was, he was the guy that would come and he was, he was not the devil himself. He didn't mean to do it, but he was the instrument of Satan. And... <laughs> He would come to my house when I was a kid and he would knock on my, like I had this with separate, the kind of room, we had a little extra room we built on the house and I ended up, that was like senior year, I'm like, I don't wanna live in with y'all anymore, I'm living here. So I moved in there and friends would come and knock in the middle of the night and, and try to drag me away into evil because it was never my fault. Um, and, and George came and knocked on, on the door and I was in bed, things were good, I was friends over, spend the night, watch the Tonight Show, just innocence, you know? And and then all of a sudden, ding, 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 ding. You know, hey man, my cousin's in town, I got two cases of beer. And how does that end up? Jail, right? My dad ends up picking me up in jail. It's not that is a true, true story. And I just fast-forwarded through it. And it actually is funnier that way. I don't know why. Um, but that's that's the progression, you know, there's the lure. You know, and then there's the, there's the, the desire. It's like, I, there wasn't even a desire there that you even knew you had, but the lure kind of pulls up the desire. Like, oh, okay, i kind of fun to go out with the cousin, drink some beer. And you start to go do the thing. And then all of a sudden, and, and, the, and then where does it lead? Where does it lead? I mean, we, we look and see how the, the progression goes. What does he say? It leads to death. It, it goes to the place of, of it, it does not end well. I mean, James is in your face saying, hey, Trials can form you. Temptation, all of those things, the way that we react to those can lead to a good place. We can have wisdom. We can end up in a place where we can actually trust God in the middle of that. But man, we can also go down another pathway of doubt, of sin, and to death. Death of what? I mean, you can see the leading of the lure where justification because I'm in it I'm working long hours I'm doing all this stuff for my family and then I have you know I'm, I'm, I'm working with this girl she's kind of in a bad place and we kind of text back and forth my wife doesn't know really know about it it's very innocent nothing's really happening but she seems like she needs a lot of extra attention so I'm going to give her a little bit extra attention and we're texting and texting and when I'm deleting the text the wife doesn't see the text I don't want her to see what's going on it's innocent she just wouldn't understand why I got a relationship with somebody at work like this and we're texting and I'm deleting and it's kind of coming in and we're doing this whole thing and then all of a sudden what I mean we can fast forward that fast forward button too where's the death going to come the death of the marriage is going to come the death of the family is going to come the life is going to be destroyed many things job relationships the lure of addiction I mean it never starts out with hey let's go do some crack anybody ever started out that way but where does it lead? Death, right? And I'm not, I'm not here to talk about gateway drugs, like, hey, you sip a little alcohol, you do a little of this and do that. But I mean, there is some truth to that. There is a road. And James is just saying, hey, I want to give you the future because that's going to help you win the war. That's going to be you being General Patton saying to General Rummel, I read your playbook and you're not getting me. You're not taking me down. James is, is giving us a gift, brother of Jesus, half brother. He's giving us a gift so that we don't go into this place of death. I don't want to be here. I want to I stand in the trial faithfully. And some of you are in it, like Dave said, some of you are in it. Some of you are in it right now and you're in that place of holding on. And I just want to say God is with you. Don't be tempted to go down the road of doubt. You can can say to him, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm telling you daily as your pastor, I have doubts. Not doubts about who God is, but doubts about what's coming next and what God's going to do. I do have doubts about the pathway in which God's going to send me. Does that make any sense? Like, I have a path I really love and I, I really thought this is the, the pathway that God wants me in the in the area that he wants me to go down. And my doubts are, I'm not sure maybe he wants me going down that path. And you know what? That doubt's okay. Because he might not be sending me down that path. And this one's really scary. But the, what the enemy does is he comes in right in between that and says that God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. He's forsaken you. you. The path that a loving person would send you down is this one, towards your desire to love the person you want to love, to, to go down this road, to not experience any pain, not experience any sickness. But God has an ultimate outcome that he's looking for your life that's over here that you can't even see or understand. And it feels like pain And the enemy inserts himself and begins to attack you and make you inept in the kingdom of God in the middle of your trial. And he leads you to death in the middle of that. I believe, but help my unbelief. And I love where he ends here in this section of scripture or where we're ending today. As he ends leading us to life. He says, don't be deceived. Don't go down the other road. My dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights. The things that you're experiencing right now in this moment, that are are good, living where you live, eating the the things that you eat. Like I said, man, you can't not think about Jesus when you eat a good ribeye that's medium rare. It's just fantastic. (laughs) Who does not change like the shifting shadows? I love that. It's coming down from the father of heavenly lights who is trustworthy. He does not change like the shifting shadows. Listen to this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. He's, He's leading you to say, believe in him. He chose to give you life, to give you birth. You see that the contrast, he's saying, the baby over here is death. The birth that I want you to have is leading to life through the word of truth that might be a kind of first fruits for all that he created. How beautiful is that? He's like, these are my children. I'm giving birth to them through the word of truth that we are his first fruits. We're we're his kids. He loves us. He cares about us. He cares about me. I think we, we sometimes blame ourselves for the situations that we're in. Sometimes you think, oh, God's disgusted with me. You're, you're his first fruit. He's, he's, he's giving you the word of truth. He's not looking at anybody in the room today going, yeah, because some of you are looking at that pathway going, yeah, I've been down that path a long time and I've been down and I've done it a bunch. The beautiful thing about Jesus is he's the good father that sends good gifts. He sent his son who who would be the one that would bring us in to be the first fruits. It says he chose us, just like it says in Ephesians. He chose us. He's not disgusted with you. All the disgust went went on the cross. Everything that you think that makes you undeserving today Maybe you're you're, you're looking and thinking about the way that you're wading through the trial and the sins and mistakes that you've made. Yes, James is leading us to the path of life and away from the path of death, but Jesus comes in and stands in the gap and James knows that. That in your sin and in your brokenness, in the craziness, the unstable place that you're in, he's not bailing on you, he loves you. You're his first fruits, you're his kids. I'm so terrible though. I'm terrible. Look at the cross. We do that over and over and over again. And he's so he's so trustworthy. If you think in the middle of it, we just don't understand what God's doing. And I want to so bad in the middle of a trial, understand what are you doing? I wish I could see the future, but God knows I couldn't take it. And I'd probably, it would cause me to sin if I knew it. But he takes us step by step through it. And we, I, the only way I can I can think about this or, or, or picture it in my mind, I, I got this cat. His name's Charlie. I got to you know got to talk about. It's my, I got six weeks off, so you can you can be mad about me talking about a cat for six weeks. I had this cat, Charlie. I used to be a dog person, became a cat person. I'm sure any, some of you know. It depended on the cat. The cat came along, was chased up a tree in my yard a couple years ago by a dog, and just. I went up and rescued it because it couldn't come down and never left. And it was just one of those ones that comes at you, wants to be around you, and it comes in the yard, just, just immediately headbutts you, wraps its legs around you. It's dumber than a bag of hammers. Like, it is not a smart cat. Lays in the road. Like, 7th Avenue, there's no stop signs. And I'm not kidding you. Just lays there licking itself in the, in the middle of the road. And people are like, cars just come up and stop. And it, it just sits there chilling. It's been beat up. It's been gnawed. Like, like with the, and I'm sorry, I know we should take our pets to the vets, but we don't. We're like, it's a cat. If it goes down, it's got nine lives. I mean, so we've never, and it's gotten, I'm not kidding, some of the most disgusting wounds, like where you could see it's like ligaments all torn up and you're like, it'll heal at some point. Um, and it, 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 over the last few months, it got hit by a car and we, it's, we thought it's got brain damage and it wouldn't come near us. You, you get near it, it would growl. Woo! You know, you, you it wouldn't come near you, and it had it wouldn't let you touch it. It was injured, and I, we're all devastated. We let you know you get to close to your pets. Little this, Charlie, Charlie's awesome. The whole neighborhood loves Charlie. Uh, my kid's called Charmander. I don't know, it's a Pokemon thing, and we couldn't get near Charlie. Charlie didn't know that we wanted to help Charlie. Charlie had no idea; just thought, Mm-mm, "Don't touch me." And so me and Abe were trying to get Charlie, and, and we got this towel where charlie's running but the best where charlie can run looks totally brain damaged and really messed up i know that's not funny but it's just it, it, the end of the story makes it better so we get we get charlie and and wrap charlie up in the towel and she does not want to go just fighting and squaw! i mean would have clawed my eyes out if, if she could have gotten to me i know charlie it's a boy name girl cat and then she ends up in the garage and, and finally, and, and Abe's talking to me this whole time. He's like, I wish she knew that we were trying to help her. I wish she knew that I, I mean, he just so basically, I, I wish she knew that we loved her and that we're not hurting her, but we're helping her. And it hurts to pick her up and it hurts to move her. And, and then to lock her in the garage, she didn't wanna be locked in the garage so she could heal. She didn't wanna be in there. And I wish she knew, I wish she knew and Charlie recovered, and which is crazy, like no brain damage, she's normal again, but you know, doing, still lays in the road like an idiot. Um, but I, I looked out the window the other day and Abe was cradling Charlie upside down, which cats don't like that most of the time. And Charlie's just sitting there and Abe's just picking the fleas out of her beard. Like just like, he gets mad. He's like, and she's just letting him do it. And I just thought, I know this is ridiculous. I just thought it's a, it's a picture of finally trusting God, like finally getting to that place where you know what, I can lay back in an awkward, uncomfortable position and He's picking at my face around my eyes and I'm just laying there going, you know what, those blood suckers are all over me and I need, I can't get to them. I can do this as much as I want, it just doesn't, just doesn't, doesn't work. Somebody needs somebody to do it. I didn't think through the whole illustration. <laughs> like cats (laughs) that just don't know, you know? And cats are the ones that, we're much more like cats than dogs. Dogs are sweet. We're not sweet. Cats, like, they, they like, shoot you a bird, you know, most of the time. (laughs) That's us. God has come and he's he's wrapping us up and, and, and you don't know it and it might be painful. It might be hurting you. It might be in a place that you don't understand, but we have to get to that place of saying, I believe, I know you are in it. Help me in the middle of this, believe that you're good and that you're doing it for me for the right reason. I wanna know, I wanna believe. God, I know that you are sovereign and on high and you are in it with me. And he is. And he's doing something. And he's leading you to life and away from death. Let's stand. God, we love you. we we want to persevere through trials. We want to do it well. And it all sounds good and well until we're in the middle of it. God, we need you. I want to ask for wisdom. God, lead me, lead this church, lead us in a place in the middle of trials where we can trust where we know who you are, where we can actually have joy that we could never have experienced any other way. Just come, Holy Spirit.